is a Zerbinator Land production. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to the Overthinking Podcast. My name is Zerb. You can call me Zerb. I'm so glad that you join me today because we're going to talk about multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis being defined as a chronic, typically progressive disease involving damage to the sheaths of nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord. These symptoms include numbness, impairment of speech, and of muscular coordination, blurred vision, and severe fatigue. Later on, I have a section provided by both me and my beautiful wife, Shelly. She is the woman of my dreams, and I am the man that she ended up with, and I appreciate it. I'll start this show off with a little story. 1981. I remember getting very sick and having to stay home for about two to three weeks. The only vivid memory I have of that time was standing on my bed. I remember the distinct feeling of panic because of all the schoolwork that I missed, and I knew that I would have to catch it up. I come from a short period of time where kids brought home homework for you to do if you missed school. So my good buddy Eric would bring home the work for me. And I oh look so forward to that. I remember nights of just hacking and coughing and then trying to catch up on math or English or social studies or whatever else they brought home that day. I also remember watching The Exorcist during that time. So I was actually 11 years old when I saw The Exorcist. In other podcasts, I had mentioned that I was 13 years old, which would have made it 1983. No, 1981 is when I saw The Exorcist during this haze of sickness that I was going through, which is probably why the movie scared me so much, because not only was I young and Catholic, very influenced by what I saw on television, but on top of that, I was very sick, which made that movie even more terrifying. Thank you, Channel 9, for showing that during the day in the 80s. Smart move. So I think it took another half of a week, and I went back to school on a Thursday, and I was still a bit groggy, but I had a lot of catching up to do. In total, I had missed about two and a half weeks and the teachers became infuriated with me because I really started losing momentum with everything. Before I continue the story, I truly believe this was the origin of my multiple sclerosis symptoms. And although I could be wrong, I truly believe that that was the sickness where my immune system did take care of me and make me better. But after that point in time, the immune system kept on attacking. And since it didn't have any bad bacterias or anything of that nature to attack, it decided to start attacking my nervous system. And the immune system is the body's defense against infectious organisms and other invaders. Through a series of steps called the immune response, the immune system attacks organisms and substances that invade the body systems and cause disease. By 1984, 5, and 6, I was definitely spending my summers in summer schools because of lack of learning, lack of wanting to learn, becoming lazy in school, becoming lazy at home with homework, 
My parents also enrolled me in the Sylvan Learning Center. I would spend summers in enrichment schools, anything to try to improve the way that I did things. By 1987, I started noticing that I became even more lazy when it came to doing chores or taking care of things or working on items or anything that I did, I would get halfway through a project and realize that I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I would just give up on it. Not knowing why I was slacking so much, I was blaming this on maybe my Catholic upbringing. I was blaming it on my German and Irish and Norwegian mixed heritage. I was blaming it on my parents because they were in the midst of a divorce. And I was blaming it on anything except for what it could have been, which was MS. And I hadn't really shown any sign of physical problems, but mostly mental. Just trying to attain some kind of focus was pretty hard. So here I was, 17 years old. I had dropped out of school, gotten myself in an apartment, and had a job at a gas station, and also working at the drug fair right up the street from the gas station. From 1988 until 1991, in that apartment, I sure wasted my mind. I got substances that you shouldn't be doing, although it is legal now, that curbed everything that I did. I melted into this puddle of music, into this puddle of super laziness, to the point that I didn't even want to work a job anymore, ended up moving back home, and became that guy the guy that didn't work for about a year and then would do a little bit of a job here and there and then take another year off. That went on until my late 20s. Nineteen ninety-seven and nineteen ninety-eight is when I started to realize that I was having physical problems. Laziness in walking, issues with back problems all the time, Issues with foot problems all the time. A lot of problems with my hands and my arms aching. And by this time, a massive vibration situation in the back of my neck when I looked down. I would just be walking along and I would fall down for no reason. And I wasn't too worried about it because it was kind of a slapsticky action and made people laugh. So I kind of used it to my advantage. But deep down, I think I was afraid of figuring out why that was happening, but I wasn't going to worry about it now because I'm young. I'm going to live forever. Why bother worrying about it? Being totally confused on the feelings and emotions that I was going through, I figured this all has to do with my upbringing. This is the facts. I'm lazy. I don't really like doing things, but I didn't care and why bother worrying about things that I can't change? So I just lived with it. By the time I reached my early 30s, it was getting serious to the point that I couldn't walk. I loved going on walks, and I was having trouble walking. There was a period of time in my 20s where I was playing instruments like guitar or drums or bass, and my hands would feel like cement bags were attached to them, and I couldn't work anything especially playing the drums. I would play rhythm and I would look down and realize that my foot wasn't moving. But I was thinking about having the foot move, but the foot wasn't moving. That's when I started visiting the hospital, trying to figure out why things weren't functioning. People would mention problems with your nervous system, problems with your spinal cord. 
I actually got tetanus really bad once by stepping on a nail during a construction job. And I remember the old German doctor coming into the emergency room and practically screaming at me because he hadn't seen tetanus this bad since World War II. And although I took pride in his comment, the fact that it was so severe, I figured maybe this was linked to that tetanus situation. I started losing sensation in different parts of my body where I couldn't feel anything. Due to that, I started visiting many, many doctors who had all kinds of different reasons for what was wrong with me, but nobody could pinpoint it. Different types of exercises, different types of medicines, different types of diets, treatments, nothing helped. I had racked up so many medical bills, it was unbelievable how much money I owed. And now we reach the turning point of my story. I went to the hospital one morning to visit the financial office and try to get a charity write-off for the amount of which I accumulated over the years of all the doctor's appointments. The woman that I met, Angie, she was so sweet. She understood what I had gone through, and I told her that she was an angel for giving me this charity write-off. She says, well, you happen to be with an angel who has MS. And that's the first real time I remember considering the fact that I have multiple sclerosis. Not diagnosed by this time, but that's the first time I kind of accepted the fact that that is the main possibility for everything that's happening. By this time, I had fallen in love with my Shelly, and we were able to have good insurance through a very good job that she had, and we could afford to do all the tests and the therapies to find out exactly what was wrong with me. At this time, I had to be shuffled around in a wheelchair because walking was so painful. In 2005, I was diagnosed with MS after having a spinal tap and a very thorough set of MRIs. When my doctor first told me that I had multiple sclerosis, I sat in the car with Shelly and just cried my eyes out, out of relief, out of fear, out of acceptance and hope that I would live through this. I didn't know if it was going to keep progressing and kill me within a couple years or if I could actually live a long life but have to deal with pain along the way. I've gone through optic neuritis, the numbness in every limb you could think of, anger when you're happy, happiness when you're super angry, euphoricness when you are depressed or being depressed while you're really happy. Massive depression, which I take pills for. Massive anxiety, which I take pills for. I take a shot every single day to fool the immune system to attack what I shoot into my body instead of attacking me. I've been through an array of pills that I don't take anymore because it just led to worse symptoms. I take vitamin supplements that help immensely. But I think the biggest problem I have, aside from my own personal problems and my own physical problems and my own mental problems is the understanding of friends and family for what I'm going through. That's the hardest part. I sometimes call it the crying wolf situation because I have, thank God, a great sense of humor and I love to make people laugh that when something serious comes along, 
it's hard to believe that there's something wrong with me or it's hard to believe that I have these problems because I look just fine. It's one of my favorites. I'm sure anybody with MS can relate to that. You do get a lot of, you don't look like there's anything wrong with you. And then you have to tell them, well, it's this. And when you start saying this, they get their eyes crossed and they just don't want to hear about it. Nowadays, some of the biggest problems I suffer are energy, both physical and mental. Dealing with depression and trying not to let depression deal with me. And in that same aspect, accepting the fact that I have MS and giving myself leeway to have MS and not beat myself up for things I can't accomplish and can't do. That's the hardest thing to overcome. The good news, I have an incredible family that helps me anytime I need it. Completely understanding, completely loving, and they give me the chance to move at the pace I need to move. I also have incredible friends that completely understand what's going on and they help me along the way. I have a great neurologist, I have a great doctor, I have easy access to medical help when I need it, and I'm thankful for that. At my place of work, I have an incredible set of friends that work with me who help me make fun of it, and they embrace the fact and help me out to no end whenever I need it. And before I bring Shelly on, I have to say this, she has helped me through the very worst of all of this and if it hadn't been for her I have no clue where I would be right now I love this woman with all of my heart and all of my soul and she will always be the reason that I continue on with peace and hope and an understanding and a trust that everything will be fine no matter how bad things get I truly hope that one day I deserve all of the love that she's given to me without any question thank you for listening to my story and now, ladies and gentlemen, my beautiful wife, Shelly. Hello. Thank so you. formal. That's what I do for Why a living. Why don't you just say my wife? My wife is here this evening. <laughs> Tonight's show topic is multiple sclerosis. You know why I thought about you for this show? Why? I couldn't find anybody else who wanted to do it. So I was like, honey. Well, since I am your wife and I share your life... And you use a knife. I share everything about MS with you. And some things that I go through, you don't understand because I don't have it. I'm the caregiver. You know, it's a good choice. To have MS. No, to have me on the show. It is. Yes. And I'm glad that you're joining me. Thank you. And now, first thoughts. You know, I've been thinking. What have you been thinking about? What are your first thoughts on this puppy? What puppy? We got a puppy? <laughs> no Sorry. one's going to laugh. You're not going to hear it. <laughs> You'll never hear it. Yes, I will. <laughs> Someone comes up to you and says, Hey, you got MS or your husband has MS or your dog has MS. The puppy you're talking about. What is your first thoughts? That it's such a terrible disease, and I think a lot of times people don't quite understand that. How terrible it is for the person that has MS, and how hard it is for the families of the people that have MS. Mm -hmm. And it's such a broad 
um, disease. It doesn't affect everybody the same way. Some people have very terrible symptoms. Some hardly have any. But it's a struggle for everybody that has it. Yeah. I remember my first thoughts were, uh, Brian and I were making fun of people with MS when we were kids because I thought MS equaled like Down syndrome. So, of course, in the 70s growing up, you could make fun of anybody without any judgment, which was great. And uh, we used to... No, you were a child and you didn't understand, so, yeah. Which was great. (laughs) And uh, Brian and I would go, I've got MS! And he would go, me too! You know, and we'd walk around the house all deformed and messed up, because that's all we knew what MS was. And God has a great sense of humor. It's karma, baby. You know it. They call me Karma Kev. Yeah, it's karma. Uh, the cult- Culture Club wrote a song about me. Mm-hmm. Kevin karma. Chameleon. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was officially diagnosed, it hit me harder than the prospect of having it. I can't tell the difference if it was a fear or a relief that now I'm at this point instead of the point prior. Yeah, well, first, I remember you were having issues, and then y- y- I wanted you to go get it checked out, but you didn't have insurance at the time. That was before we were married. It's the whole and you reason were, I married Yeah, you. you were kind of putting it off. So then after we got married, then I said, no, we got to get this taken care of because something's definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I think initially, I remember that you were just like, at first, like kind of in denial. Like, you didn't want to learn anything about it. I was in denial without an or. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you didn't want to. I was just doing all this research. I wanted to learn everything about it. And you were just kind of, I don't, I don't want to know. I didn't want to know. And no. I think you thought, if I don't know, then I can't progress or it can't hurt me or I can't, you know, I don't have it. If I mean, I don't know if that's what you thought. No, but, that's exactly it. I just, yeah. I, I put it aside. The, the worst thing I did in my entire life, a uh, shout out to my buddy, Anthony Adamovich, Um, his father had MS and he wanted to talk to me so bad because he was positive that I had it. I didn't want to see him because I was in that Nile being, uh, paddling without, you know, a creek to shit in. Anthony's father also had, um, Kevin was diagnosed with, um, relapsing, remitting MS. Anthony's father had, um, progressive MS. So he was really... The disease really progressed, and he was in very bad shape, um, wheelchair-bound, you know, couldn't do a lot of things. And I think that was one of the things that really made you nervous because... I didn't want to see you didn't, that. You didn't want to see that, that that could be your future because MS can change. But I, I love talking to... I mean, yeah. we talked all the time up until the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then when that came, I was like, mm, I don't think I want to see the... It's the biggest regret I have, one of the biggest regrets I have. And I remember when we went... When he passed away and we went to his funeral, it really affected you too. And you said, you know, I probably shouldn't go to a funeral of people who died from something that I have. Did I say that? You said that, yeah. And it it bothered you, I think, because that was thinking that, you know, maybe that could be me. But I remember you saying that. And, you know, I can understand that. Yeah. I I think it maybe was the reality of it hitting you. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's still kind of coming on. I'm not sure I have it yet. <laughs> yes, you I'm do. I'm kidding. 
Now it's time for The Truth. Well, let me tell you guys what multiple sclerosis is in case people are like, well, what is that? Sometimes people get it confused with, um, you know, muscular dystrophy. They get it confused with Lou Gehrig's disease. It's not, ALS. not the same thing. Yeah. Thank goodness it's not ALS, but... MS is basically when the immune system attacks the myelin sheath on your nervous system, eats away at it, and exposes the nervous system, and you basically end up with these scars on your brain and on your spine from the attacks. It's an autoimmune disease, and that's what it is. People can have sclerosis, that's the, that's the um, scars, on their brain, on their spine, so the le- and they're called lesions. So the lesions on the brain can cause all kinds of mood swings, emotional difficulties. It can cause uh, cognitive issues. And of course, if the lesions are on the spine, then that's where the most of the physical things come from. There's pain, there's tingling, there's he- um, issues with being able to uh, tolerate heat. Temperature changes are yeah. incredibly yeah. unbearable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the heat is very hard for Kevin. He has a cooling vest that he can wear when it uh, gets really, really too unbearable. He can use a cooling vest. The The hardest word for me to learn when I was trying to tell people what this is, is the word myelin sheath. Mm-hmm. I want to start a band called Myelin Sheath. <laughs> start in Sweden and Norway and take mm-hmm. off. The hardest part also was getting that spinal tap. That's one of the last things they do to make sure that's what you have. And laying on my side, and the doc goes in there, and he did a really good job. That needle was huge. How many feet? Well, it wasn't feet, but it was... About a foot. A foot long, maybe. And it and it's not a thin little needle. It was fairly thick. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm fascinated with watching stuff like that anyway, so I was watching and... Giggling the whole I wasn't time. giggling, but I was trying not to show any facial expression like, whoo. But they had to go and they had to draw spinal f- fluid and then they can check that. And um, and I was like, this is easy as pie. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And then the next, uh, probably an hour later and I tried to stand up and I was shivering because that fluid's back there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Keeps, you, keeps you centered. <laughs> oh, that was hell. Here's mm-hmm. some early signs of multiple sclerosis, which can include... Vision problems, tingling and numbness, pains and spasms, weakness or fatigue, balance problems or dizziness, bladder issues, memory loss, sexual dysfunction. We haven't had problems there, have we, honey? (laughs) And cognitive problems. Vision problems, you had... um... Did I mention memory loss? (laughs) Yes, you did. You did have optic neuritis. Optic neuritis in one eye where I went blind for uh, six months or so. Yeah, I don't know if it was quite that long, but it, your vision did come back. Um, didn't you have some changes, though, with you don't see colors quite the same out of that eye? I never judge anybody yeah. but where they're from. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's actually uh, a little more paler out of that eye mm-hmm. than it used to be. So the the enriching color is gone. You definitely have numbness and tingling, and you get spasms every night. Um, Kevin will get spasms in his feet, and that's always been a painful issue for you. Final stages of multiple sclerosis 
you've got pain affecting the muscles, nerves, and joints, spasms, stiffness, muscle cramp, tremors, sensory changes, bowel or bladder incontinence, urinary tract infections, or constipation, upper and lower body mobility limitations or weaknesses, difficulty chewing or swallowing, and speech difficulties. You have several of those. <laughs> I actually do. You um, do, really. You have tremors. I pee the bed. <laughs> no, you don't, but you have... Uh, that's more uh, That's more for fun. You have speech difficulties, and you have some cognitive issues. You have definitely memory issues. Tremors. Tremors. I said that, yeah. Um, you have... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ow, you kicked my bad leg. <laughs> uh, you also have um, mood swings. Things like that. It, it, I mean, it causes some anger. It causes depression. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Um, there's a lot of different things, but uh, I, you're pretty good at handling most of it. The it's, sense of humor helps. Yeah, sense of time. humor helps. The things that are stressful for the family members, you know, I, I'm the one that lives with them every day. So, you know, I kind of get the brunt of the anger issues and things like that. And I try to remember that. It's not his fault that it's common in MS, people with yeah, MS. And it's not your fault. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever you I did. I got to remember that, that too. You shouldn't have done. Yeah. <laughs> but it's very common with MS. Um, I noticed that Kevin's personality has changed since we've gotten married. Mm-hmm. So it's the progression of MS has changed him. He's definitely a different person. But, um, you know, we're in this together. Thank you. When we got married, it was f- for, you know, sickness and in health. And we're going to deal with it, even though it gets it gets very stressful. And, and I cry sometimes because of the stress that it can cause. But uh, I'm not the only one going through this. I belong to a, an MS support group for caregivers and spouses and stuff on Facebook. And everybody kind of has those issues, and we kind of talk each other through it. You know, That's like, a, yeah. If you're, if you're married to somebody... Check that out. It's very helpful. It is. It is. Because sometimes you think, oh, my gosh, you know, am I the only one that goes through this? And everybody's like, well, no, you know, my MSer does this too. Or, you know, they just fly off the handle. They call them MSers? Yeah. Fly off the handle for no reason. Or, um, you know, you you have low patience. Or or sometimes I I get frustrated with you when I ask you to do something. And, you, you know, you always have to stop and think what steps to take and stuff. And I know that you just have to do that. That's your processing time now. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that it it affects both of us. What I hate is when uh, I've taken things the wrong way. Because you can, any conversation, any subject, if you really think about it, it can be taken and and misconstrued in 20,000 different ways, the communication aspect of life. Even without having a disease, that used to scare me growing up. It's like, how do you know what the other person's talking about half of the time? You know, there's too much going on out there. But then when you have MS, it's very hard to concentrate. Very hard to concentrate on whatever the subject is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll hide behind the humor if I don't understand what's going on. Let's make a joke, and that'll stop the conversation, because then they have to process that, and I just bought some time to collect some thoughts. What? I just burped. I'm sorry. Get out. <laughs> it's over. Thank you for listening. Sorry. <laughs> You want to go ahead and sum this up? Sure. Do we wish to sum it up? I just want to say if you are diagnosed with MS or you have a loved one diagnosed with MS, don't think it's the end of the world. It's going to change your life. It's going to 
change how you look at things, how you maybe see the future, but don't think that it's, your life is over. Um, we still go and have fun. We kayak and we swim and, and do things like that. And sometimes Kev can't do it. We'll be out in the kayaks and he'll say, I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm too sore. I'm too tired because fatigue is a very big thing. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to roll with the punches and say, okay, fine. You know, we'll, we'll do it later, but don't think life is over. Live your life. Do what your doctor says, take your meds and just take care of each other. That's beautiful. There's two people that come to mind, Richard Pryor um, and Devin Townsend. Both of them, Devin has no disease. Richard Pryor had MS. Richard Pryor was thankful he got it because it made him slow down. He was, he was a drug addict and a boozer and a womanizer. And he slowed down and he smelled the flowers and he said if he didn't get MS, he wouldn't have done that. And he spent time with his family and he appreciated life before he passed mm-hmm. away. Devin Townsend writes songs about things that you hate, but you have to appreciate them, love them at the same time you can't stand it. And I never quite understood what the hell he meant until I put MS in that equation. And it's like, I can't stand MS. I don't want it. I would be so much happier without it. I hate it. But I have to love it because it has. It's brought us closer. It's, it's made my life a little more easier to live because of the fact that there's that given when he has MS. The parking is great. <laughs> the, the, you know, the doctors are wonderful and they are very sweet. The weirdest thing is going up to somebody and being like, um, I'll notice somebody's handicapped in some way and I'll go to help them. And while I'm helping them, I'll say, so what did God give you? And they'll tell me. And then I'll say, well, I, I got MS. And it's weird to see how someone who is worse off than me at the present moment will be like, oh, man, I'm sorry for you. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to be you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's not that bad. I take a shot every day and I, you know, I get along pretty well and I have a good sense of humor. And that's, you know, and uh, and I, I like that. I like that aspect. I wouldn't be doing any of that if I was... You know, straight and narrow and whatever. You're always so helpful to people. Um, Elderly people, you'll help out. Anybody that's in a wheelchair or a cane or anything, treat everybody with kindness. You bet your ass. Especially people that usually don't get that from other people in the the world. And and I love seeing that. I just wish I could treat you that way. (laughs) I wish you could too, but that goes with the territory of being a spouse to an MSer. (laughs) Don't call me names, woman. <laughs> you MS are you? <laughs> <laughs> this program is brought to you in part by... Well, today's show is brought to you by my wife's cooking. <laughs> she makes the best sketty hamburgers, pork chops, grilled uh, ribs, uh, did baked ribs, uh, Tacos, chili. Can we have tacos tonight? Tacos? Sure, we can have tacos tonight. We haven't had tacos in a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining me. I want you to know that I do love you very much, and I'm very sorry that you have to come with me on a journey. My journey. (laughs) I hate that word. They have to come with me through life uh, with a flat tire. But if you notice in the trunk, 
I've got one hell of a nice <laughs> backup plan. So, like I said, we got married. It was sickness and in health, and right away we got bombarded with the the sickness part, and that's it's, that's it's just hard. that's just the way it is. Because I have MS and you're female, and we just get used to those sicknesses. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you for coming along with me. Sure, thank you for having me. And I look forward to overthinking with you next time on the Overthinking Podcast. All shows available in iTunes, Stitcher, RSS Download, and Google Play. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.